Welcome to the Beyond Jiu-Jitsu podcast. I'm your co-host, Kieran Lefebvre, joined by Adam Childs. Kieran, episode 98. Yeah. You didn't put a jumper on. Oh, no, I don't. I don't have a jumper on. Except this fleece. Bro, you're going to be here. cold. <laughs> so cold where we record yeah. at the moment. It's currently uh, winter in Australia and international listeners will be like, but Australia's like desert and super hot. Uh, yeah, I mean, we don't get that cold here compared to, you know, North America or Canada or something. But the problem with the cold in Australia is because we don't get that cold, we don't have the infrastructure for it. Mm. So if it's like eight degrees outside Celsius, because we're not spastics, right? Fahrenheit, can <laughs> move over Fahrenheit. If it's like eight degrees outside, it's like eight degrees inside. Yeah. Your windows don't close properly. Yeah. Gusts of wind coming under the door. There's no such thing as central heating. Yeah. And before the episode, you were like, man, I'm cold. I'm going to need another jumper. And then you didn't get one. Yeah. I'll be right. Give me on my toes. You'll be right. You got a coffee. That'll warm you up. Yeah. Thanks. If Thanks not, I'll just, uh, <laughs> if not, I'll just take over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, man, episode 98, we're talking about uh, what we learned from Craig Jones. Our regular listeners will be like, what you did, what we learned from Lachlan Giles, and then a few episodes before that, what we learned from Mario Hayes, where we actually had all three of them in Sydney within the one week. Mm. Uh, I, I know that Lockie and Craig were both here because it was the week of the ADCC Oceana Trials, I think that just happened to coincide with Mario Hayes being in Sydney. So, um, they would, you know, getting to train with those guys all happened within the one week, which is why these episodes are so <laughs> closely packed together. It was a massive week of jiu-jitsu. I had the Craig Jones seminar, which we're going to talk about. had the Lachlan Giles seminar, which we already spoke about uh, two episodes ago, 96, I believe, or maybe even last episode. Lockie's was last episode. Oh, 97. Yeah, it was yeah, too. Yeah. So last episode we spoke about what I learned from that seminar. And then I went to ADCC trials and it was great. It was like, oh, a, yeah. it was like yeah. a massive week of jiu-jitsu. Yeah, it was. It was crammed pretty, down my it was pretty condensed. Mm. Uh, yeah, but it was good. So yeah, we're going to talk about talk a little bit about that, what the seminar was like and yeah, what we learned. Mm. So um, I actually, I only just thought of this right now. Uh, I don't know if, I mean, you obviously know this at, at our gym uh, at Alliance Sydney, we're working on, a revamp of our website and part of that is this sort of like video platform thing not like an instructional thing a little bit different a bit unique specific to us but anyway that part of that is having capturing a lot more content so someone filmed you and I rolling the other day no gi and I don't know if you noticed it at the time but I was like because Kieran and I both went to the Craig Jones seminar and we were our drilling partners mm. at the seminar. And I did notice. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, oh, I'm going to do this particular move we learned at, at the seminar. And I was yeah. like, surely Kieran knows because we were both there. We drilled yeah. it together. And I was like, so it's not, it's not going to happen. But it happened. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. So I just had this thought of like, I could, I clip, so I like, I could clip that and put it on the, on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's clip. The whole roll. <laughs> oh, whoa, 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 slow down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah I, I was trying to hit it on Toby last night because Toby, uh, for long-time listeners- I filmed that roll too. Yeah, yeah. For long-time listeners, um, we keep saying that, but for people that have listened to podcasts before, you may have heard the the name Toby long long time ago as a good training partner of mine. He he had a bit of a hiatus because he was unwell, but he's back now. So yay, shout out to Toby. And <laughs> Is I he, had it. What happened to his knee last night, Kieran? Maybe he's yeah, not oh, back. Oh man, fuck, it popped a few times. Like- <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's okay. Like I was so paranoid about it because I've never had someone's 
knee like audibly pop multiple times when I'm applying submission. I, I heel hooked him, and yeah, he he's he quite held re- it. he's quite resilient. To he held uh, it a long time. Yeah, there's times I've even just straight footlocked Toby, mm. and I've it's either kind of gone so far where I thought it was going to break before mm. he tapped or it yeah. popped or something or times where I've just let go being like, eh, it's not worth it. He must have like family ties back to Brazil or something because his <laughs> mentality is footlocks don't work, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, your knee yeah. is saying otherwise, my yeah, friend. Yeah. But uh, the the point of that was uh, I tried to hit the, the, the main false reap move that Craig Jones taught, which we're going to talk about uh, on Toby. But I didn't get the um, that like rear naked choke sort of grip on it, so yeah. I didn't. I got the the reap in, but I didn't get the grip, so I didn't have control. And when I went to invert, I, I completely it lost. All the, fell yeah, apart. it all fell apart. So it was really important that you have some sort of grip on the knee, and I try to rush it. Well, maybe I'll since I happen to film have both those roles filmed. I'll <laughs> oh, you are so like, this hey, is what it should look like. <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah, this is what you it just does. you just walk straight into that. Oh, snitzel. Yeah, yeah. But well, the reason Kieran was like, why don't we put the whole roll up? Because there was another bit where I, <laughs> I think in whatever episode it was, eighty something, we talked about why do you keep getting heel hooked? And I'm not saying this is an excuse, right? I'm just saying that I'm, fact, I'm smelling fact, an excuse. factually I have really big heels and I, I dove on Kieran's legs in 50-50 and um, I just completely neglected my mm. own. And I, when I when I watched the footage, I was like, man, my heel was just right there and you yeah. were like, oh, hello, <laughs> and just dug it and then it was all over for me. Yeah, it was literally a game of chicken. It was like, um, you know, two, two fucking trucks like steamrolling toward each other yeah, who's going to yeah. swerve first and yeah, I was yeah, like I'm yeah. not swerving yeah. Yeah. and to be honest actually it, it was really good I thought I th- you know it was part neglecting my my own legs but part of also thinking like they were fine mm. so it was a bit of a lapse of concentration but also a bit of a false sense of security that mm. I had there and Anyway, you got me, you know, and then and then I remember Ads was filming and he was like, he was like, wait, who tapped there? I was like, Kieran got me. He was like, Kieran got you. Say that on camera again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, Kieran got me. <laughs> Come on, bro. <laughs> and then I think there was like a 30 second guillotine after that. And Ads oh, was yeah, like, yeah. you couldn't let him get away with it for too long, no, could you? No, no, I knew I was getting some. That's why after I was like, fuck, because I knew it was like, I was going to get hurt. Well, not no, hurt, no, you know no, what I mean? Yeah. Not, no, no, it was, was actually a really, it was actually a really fun role. Yeah, it was yeah. only like a five minute role, but it was like, it was fucking yeah, awesome. Yeah. So it was a great role. Yeah, I like that we've been working working on a lot of because of like well not because of it was in in i suppose in tandem with the craig jones seminar but that was sort of reinvigorated i don't know my interest is we've been working a lot with footlocks lately um we've been working with heel hooks where you know getting up to speed with everything and and it's definitely paying off because someone like toby who's been away he said to me after the role he's like i thought that you were either going to i can't remember what he said exactly but he was like yeah i had a feeling that you guys were going to attack my legs because i've been away and he knows <laughs> that we've been working on that. And fucking sure enough, I was attacking his legs. Like I was just yeah, hunting, hunting that heel hook. And uh, yeah, we've really been, you know, stepping up. So now I feel more comfortable and even comfortable fighting the the heel hook. I think that's the most important because when we first started, it was very catch and release. Like yeah, as soon yeah. as someone's caught your, your heel, it's like, oh, game over, restart. But And you sort of just wait for them to, to dig it properly. But now it's like, nah, man, I can slip it. I can, I can defend because we've yeah. been doing a lot of defense as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. So I feel more comfortable just not to the point where I want to let my knee pop. But <laughs> but also, like, you know, like I, when we spoke about the 
getting to a point where you can play with heel hooks and feel safe. You got to create that environment where you, you know you have trust with your training partners no and one's whatnot, and, and, yeah. and obviously that's that's been built over the, the time that we've been working on them. Yeah, but uh, going back to the seminar with Craig. Firstly, let's just discuss how it, how it ran. Ran different to, to Lockie's seminar. Obviously, every instructor runs their seminar differently. There wasn't – it was interesting the way Craig did his, whether this is how all these seminars are done. I mean, he would have taught hundreds, if not thousands of them. So, you know, I'm sure they change over time. But how it was sort of structured was we did very minimal technique. Well, I think we only did two – techniques two main ones yeah so two main ones right like yeah. essentially we well we did three separate times that we were sent off to drill the technique the first was just understanding the false reap position so it was just kind of going through the motions of going into it and uh and this a seminar like this actually let me wind it back a little bit i remember when, before i had ever taught a seminar i asked my coach fabio i was like how do you how do you go about teaching a seminar like what's you know, how do you plan it out? And the advice that was given to me is that you're obviously going to have a theme, so to speak. So for example, <coughs> excuse me. So for example, Lockie's seminar was, um, was no gi arm bars, mm -hmm. right? Craig's one was false reap sort of stuff. So you're going to have a, a theme of what you're teaching, but then you can't just walk in and teach super advanced, complicated, difficult techniques because what if the seminar is full of white and blue belts who, who can't even invert yet or whatever it yeah. is? You know, so the advice that was given to me was you start super simple and then kind of feel the room out and progress from there. So we started with just very basic, this is what false reap is, right? Right. <clears throat> And then we really only did two techniques from the false reap. One was, I personally found incredibly difficult, Same. right? I think most people did. And looking around the room on the day, most yeah. people did. So one was false reap and then you essentially invert over your, your forehead. But it's not like it was way harder than that sounds. Mm -hmm. So if people are familiar with like a, a face bolo is like a bolo where you don't invert over the back of your head and your neck and shoulders, you kind of roll over your face. It's relatively straightforward and easy to do. However, this invert was, was very different because you mm. kind of had to, you would be on your face looking to the right, but then you had to roll over it to the left. So it wasn't just a matter of like putting your forehead on the ground and, and rolling over it. You kind of had to have the ability to, you know, go from having your left temple on the mat to your forehead to your right temple. And it was quite difficult. Not many people were able to do it. But anyway, that was the more difficult move. Um, and then we had inverting the other way over the back of your neck and shoulders, which was far easier. That's my, that's my preferred. Yeah. yeah. So you could ask, well, then why would you do it the harder way? The harder way was, gives you a little bit better heel exposure. Yeah. So that's the preferred way if it's available. Otherwise you go the other way. So that was, I mean, the seminar was just those three things, right? Entering the false reap and then those two variations However, then there was a massive Q&A mm. at the end. So, you know, if you included the Q&A, 
Craig probably taught like 20 techniques, but the Q and A, you didn't then go off and drill them. Like someone mm. would ask a question, he would quickly show the answer and then it'd be a next question. So, and obviously with the nature of Q and A's, the questions were varied in, in their, I don't I want to be polite, but some questions were just stupid. Like some questions were throwaway like questions. Were, um, were there? Uh, what were some of the- Oh, some questions were not stupid, but specifically? like- I can't remember. Oh, I think there was like references to like, um, like, uh, who's next and stuff like that. Like oh, questions right. that don't, yeah, yeah. But, and I mean, that's, that's interesting and fun. Cause like, you know, how often do you get Craig Jones in the same room as you? Um, and if you follow him on, on a show like that, it's like, you know, having a celebrity in the room. So you're going to, you know, have fun yeah. with it. But I mean, because of the nature of the, the, um, the way it was run, I think that there was a lot of weight put on the Q and a. So I, I would have preferred more time spent on actual techniques, which was great when he did show them. But even even the techniques that he showed in the Q&A, because it was a Q&A format, he spent, you know, a couple minutes. I think the longest he spent answering one with demonstration would would have been like three minutes, which is, yeah. you know, obvious because it's Q&A. Um, whereas I would have liked to have gone away and drilled that or like, I don't know. Yeah. And uh, look, there were quite a lot of uh, like groupies slash fanboys and girls oh, yeah. at, at the seminar. Yeah. Like there were a lot of people when we were doing the technique, not even doing it. There were a lot of people just sitting around chatting. Firstly, the seminar was packed. So yeah, how many was, people do you think were there? Just to paint the picture. I don't know, like over a hundred. Yeah. There was a lot of people. It's probably like 150 or so. Something like that. Uh, so some of the, the more space requiring movements, like the inverts that we were doing, mm. You kind of did have to wait your turn, but mm. even, even taking that into consideration, there were plenty of people just sitting around, not drilling the technique at yeah, all. Sitting in groups of just, three or four and just yeah, chatting. Just and chatting. Time, yeah. They were just like pretty much like, ah, we're in the same room as Craig. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Craig James. Yeah, there were so, lots of sort of, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, There were plenty of, uh, of groupies. So I guess with that, you know, Q&A, a lot of stupid questions came up. Yeah. I mean, the first thing he said was, all right, we're going to do the Q&A. You can ask whatever you want, except why the DDS split up. And the first so, question. And then someone was dickhead. like, why'd the DDS split up? Oh, <laughs> you want to know why? Check out my YouTube. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm totally and kidding. It, um, <laughs> but yeah, so, <clears throat> but I want to talk about why, kind of why he showed what he showed. So the well, first- Sorry to interrupt. I think maybe for, for those that don't know what a false reap <clears throat> is, should we give like a very quick explanation? just so people okay. can sort of visualize what, so what we're if, talking about here. Yeah, so, okay. So if you're sitting here not knowing what a false reap is, and let me clarify, it is a reap, mm. right? Actually, I'm actually going to wind that back as well because the IBJGF rules can be quite ambiguous, actually. So I've had credible sources tell me it is a reap as in we'll get you DQ'd and other credible sources tell me it, it won't. So Is that because it's like I don't b- know, below bro. the hip or something? If, well, it's not below the hip. Oh, it is. Sorry, it's it's below the hip, but it's above the knees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, whether it gets you DQ'd or not, I'm not sure. There's probably some refs who will, some mm. won't. So just quickly, so, sorry, for, again, for for people that don't know what a reap is. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, 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 wait. So for people who aren't aware what jujitsu is. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Oh, come on. There's going to be people listening to this like, thank you. And then and then people are like, come on, just shut up. Let him finish. Yeah, people, so. people are like, I'm up to episode 98. I'm finally going to learn what jujitsu is. <laughs> <laughs> so a reap is effectively where your outside foot 
crosses the midline of your opponent. In between their knee and hip. In between their knee and hip, yeah. So imagine if you're in a position like Ashigarami or single leg X and your your foot that is generally on top of their hip, if it crosses their belly button, that's a reap. That's a reap. Or like the saddle is a reaping position. Yeah, yeah. So uh, always remember kids, inside out, not outside in. Thanks, yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so a false reap is typically set up from reverse de la Hiva. Man, guys, if you don't know what that is, I mean, I can't. Like, <laughs> Adam, just for those that don't know, describe de la Hiva. And who is de la Hiva? <laughs> and why is it being reversed? So it's like reverse de la Hiva, right? You've got your reverse de la Hiva hook and then your your other foot that would be, could be on the mat, could be putting Staying a lasso, could be, right? That leg then reaps over the top right, into essentially a saddle position. That's essentially a false reap, okay? Probably the most well-known, um, uh, which was the, was Jacob Couch, right? Yeah, Did yeah. in, in um, uh, who, uh, Who's in number one. Who's number one. Mm-hmm. That was probably, who was that against again, oh, can you recall? No, I just remember. God, but anyway, that, that was one, technique. yeah, that was one that's in recent history, sort of the, the one that was kind of like, holy shit, false reaps, mm-hmm. right? Anyway. Why, why did Craig teach it? And that was kind of the more interesting thing, his approach. And it was actually really cool doing the Craig and Lockie seminar in the one week, because like we mentioned in the last episode, for those who don't know, Lockie's, you know, gave Craig his black belt. Uh, so they've trained together for many, many years. And it's funny, like, cause I was, I spent more time with Lockie than Craig. I know Lockie far better than I know Craig. So like we were just, Lockie and I were hanging out and whatever. And he was just talking about how the different directions their jujitsu has gone since sort of Craig moved to the US and everything. Craig's gone a much more like uh, kind of rest, not wrestling focused, but Mm. now he's in the US. Craig himself said that when you're in the US, you know, and you've got these white belts, blue belts, purple belts, whatever, like so many of them have wrestled in high school or college Mm. and that yeah, okay, they're not all going to be Division One wrestlers, but, you know, you're just constantly rolling with people who are whatever, the equivalent of a four-stripe white belt in wrestling or a purple belt in wrestling or whatever. So, you know, you're just constantly interacting with people who have wrestling foundations. Uh, we don't have that in Australia. So that was something that Craig pointed out. But Lockie essentially described it as that his he thinks his jiu-jitsu is kind of more like in line with IBJJF. I don't think he meant that as in he's intentionally done that. It's just the way it's developed. Mm-hmm. Anyway, back to the false reap. The, the most people probably know that the last ADCC was really when K guard exploded onto the scene due to Lachlan Giles. And in the beginning of the seminar, Craig kind of pointed out one of the, flaws of not necessarily K guard because it's the, you know, he, he, his argument was that from those inverting positions, you can take the back and from K guard, it's a little harder, but like from an Imanari role or something, it's a bit easier. And he was sort of saying, well, when you invert, when you do something like K guard or an Imanari role to get to a leg entanglement, you're lifting your hips, meaning you're exposing your hips and back for counters like a back take right, to then get to the legs. Whereas with a false reap, 
right? You're doing it the other way around. You're going to the reaping position first and, and then, then you're elevating your mm. hips and inverting to get to, to expose the heel or whatever. So the fact you put the reap in first is essentially eliminating those back take counters. So that was sort of, that's essentially in a nutshell why he was showing false reaps and why him and, you know, the B team have been working on it and feel that it's a, a better way and kind of to some degree an unstoppable way to get into the legs. I don't know, like, it's hard for me. I don't know if I really took from him that he was straight up just riding off K-guard and inverting and things like that. I don't know if you got that vibe. He was writing off some things. I think that he, he had a quote where he said effectively, it was. I think this was during the Q&A and it was about bolos. And he said the bolo was dead. Like the bolo. Did he say that? Yeah, he said the bolo no longer oh, exists. Oh, I think someone someone did ask him uh, because there was a briefish moment and maybe it's still going on, but there was a brief moment at least that it was in the mainstream, mainstream or the media or whatever, that no-gi bolos were kind of for, for a moment seen as what was going to be the next progression yeah. in no-gi jiu-jitsu because guys – such as Levi were transitioning to Nogi and mm -hmm. working Nogi bolos and Mikey Musumeshi transitioning mm -hmm. to Nogi. And these are two of the best bolo guys in the world. And I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe even Lockie was, because during this time Levi was down in Melbourne mm -hmm. training with Lockie at Absolute MMA. So I believe Lockie was even to some degree backing the Nogi bolos. I'm not 100% sure about that. However, it does I mean it hasn't taken off right mm. haven't I don't recall Craig saying that exactly but I just Eddie's, remember it because Anthony and I had a had a chuckle because Anthony oh, really liked it Ethan but yeah I funny. believe in the Q&A someone did ask him which I don't think was a stupid question no, it was no, a valid no, question all. was not like well oh, what do you think about the you know yeah. no gi bolos mm -hmm. and stuff like that but yeah yet to really see them happen successfully mm. I'm not an expert at bolos of course I can do them but it's not my competition game if you will and they're very difficult without a drawstring, mm. you know, without a drawstring or a belt to hold on to. They're, they're very difficult. Did Craig say something else about bowlers or he just said the... I, I think that he expanded on that. I, I mean, it was a little while ago now, this seminar, just for context, it was shit like three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Something like that. Four weeks ago even. So it was nearly a month ago, I think, or about a month ago. Um, so, you know, my memory is hazy on exactly what he said, but I do remember distinctly he said something along the lines of bowlers are like, you know, they're not relevant right now uh, in, in Nogi. Uh, because they can be countered very easily. And then he showed some counters or something along those lines. Did he? Yeah, yeah I, I believe. I can't quite remember that. But yeah, that I, I guess that's also one of the kind of similar to to the the whole false reap thing. You know, the, the fact that you got to lift your hips first to invert, which exposes mm -hmm. your back. I guess bowlers do that to some degree as well. Mm. Yeah, I don't remember him him addressing that specifically. Yeah. Uh, I could be gaslighting you. I don't know. You could, you could be. But Probably yeah, am. I, you know, I obviously don't compete at the level that, that Craig does. I no longer, I mean, even when I did compete and train at that level and trained with all those guys like Bernardo and whatever, and that was my, you know, my daily life was in a gym that is similar to the current B team, you know, mm. the gym full of all the, the best competitors in the world. Even when I did train like that, jiu-jitsu's changed since then. So it's hard for me to, you know, to, to draw comparisons. However, I 
I don't know if I'm going to completely write off um, like the lifting of hips and, and particularly K-Guard. Like I get the Imanari role because this I'm not going to try to explain too much, but you know, the, the invert to K-Guard, because of your leg position, you don't instantly give them <clears throat> the ability to, to sit down to like a sort of truck hook-ish position and take the back, whereas an Imanari role – one of your legs goes in between their legs and so that makes it easier for them uh, to put a wedge in and, and sit down and attack the back. So I don't believe it's completely written off, especially the fact that if you just write it off completely, there's times that maybe K-guard's not your thing, but you do it as a guard retention tool. Mm. You know, someone's trying to pass and they're trying to pass around to north-south and you can reach their legs and, you know, you invert as a means to retain guard or enter your leg entanglement from there. So I love K-Guard for that. Not even just the guard retention, but throwing the reap over the back when people turn away. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. And then so, you get such a good heel hook position. Yeah. So I'm not going to 100% write it off, you know. And even then, I'm, I guarantee you, if someone was passing Craig, he would lift his hips to invert to, to regain guard or whatever. But... Yeah, there's there's no arguing though. If you can get a false reap in, it can, as as the video I'll put on Instagram will show. Right? Actually, I don't know if it will be because I filmed it in a different format. Fuck, <laughs> I'll figure it out. <laughs> It'll be a shitty video uploaded <laughs> to Instagram. Once once the false reap's gone in, it it can be can be difficult to stop. And, and Craig kind of alluded to that. Uh, while we're on the topic of things that he wrote off. I do want to address uh, another one that I strongly dis disagree with. And this is not to, to take a, a, a dig at, at Craig at all. It's just my opinion. But one of the things that he mentioned was attacking Turtle. I actually got the most out of the seminar from the Q&A, right? Because for me, there were lots of questions I could just kind of ignore or whatever. But there were, you know... There were some good questions and it was good mm. to just hear his opinion or mm. his point of view. And I've said so many times, one of the things I love the most about jujitsu is the how, you know, Craig's answer could be different from Gordon Ryan's, could be different from Marcelo Garcia's, different from Bushesh's, mm. you know, and all of them are valid, right? I think in the Lockie seminar episode, the last episode, I probably mentioned he said something along the lines of, oh, you've got 100 techniques, 10 of them are good, you know, the other 90 are shit, as long mm. as you've, Choose between the 10. You choose between the 10, yeah. you're fine. Have, right? have a couple, yeah. But it's funny, this attacking turtle position, Yeah, and I've been having this conversation with one of my students, Anthony. Anthony. Yeah, because right? yeah. Anthony mean, also yeah. did some training with yeah. Isaac Mitchell. That same sort of week, Isaac Mitchell was doing seminars. Uh, I didn't go to that. Um, however, Anthony did. And for those who don't know, Isaac being now under Craig at the B mm. team. And this sort of theme of attacking Turtle, both of them were like kind of saying, don't put a seatbelt, mm. right? Because you'll slip off mm -hmm. the back. And uh, so you're better off doing these sort of like half Nelson positions yep. and whatever. And uh, whether you flatten them out or get them onto their side, whatever it is you're going to do, you know, saying the chair sit position is not great. Yeah. Which... Um, you know, because Craig mentioned, oh, if I can flatten them out belly down, which we call 
in Portuguese, it's called like espalha frango, which is like butterflying a chicken. Yeah. I think it's a chicken perfect, fillet. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, like yeah. the perfect way to describe the yeah. position. Don't get me wrong, I'll take that over a chair sit any day, mm-hmm. but it's not always that easy to do. Uh, but I actually strongly disagree with that. I'm, I'm not disagreeing with doing half Nelsons and all that. Mm. There's nothing wrong with those sort of uh, approaches, right? They're, they're awesome ways. Like wrestlers are super, super good at dealing with people in turtle, mm. right? But also the goal in jiu-jitsu attacking someone in turtle is different to the goal attacking someone in turtle as a wrestler. Like when you're – if you're fighting jiu-jitsu – Attacking someone in turtle, the objective is to have their back exposed and take their back so you can choke them. Whereas in wrestling, it's you want their back on the mat, mm. right? Because you want to pin them for the points. Anyway, there's nothing wrong with doing half Nelsons and all those. But the thing I disagree with is just the statement of don't put a seatbelt, you'll slip off. Because my response to that is, yeah, if you've got a shit seatbelt, you'll slip off, Right. I mean, it's like saying, don't go for a heel hook, the heel will slip out. Mm. Yeah, if you've got a shit bite on the heel. Because it's the argument is just not, like it's just straight up not valid in my opinion. Like of course you can slip off, but you can also go for the half Nelson and do that incorrectly and have them end up on top of you or whatever it is. It's not the argument of not doing a seatbelt because you'll slip off. It's not... It's not relevant because there's not been a progression in jujitsu where from a technical point of view, something has changed and you say, don't do that anymore. You know, it's not, it's not like saying, okay, oh, let's say with all heel hooks being a thing now and whatever, you used to be able to say just to avoid getting foot locked or toe hold, like put the boot on, they say, mm-hmm. like as in like dorsiflex your foot, mm-hmm. right? Whereas now there's been a technical change in jujitsu where you probably wouldn't give that advice because it just, your heel is then just massively exposed. Or like defending a straight foot lock, don't jump over the foot or, or the leg. Right, because yeah. people turn to a belly down, yep. straight foot lock. There's been a technical progression yep. that now makes one piece of advice no longer current. Mm-hmm. But slipping off the seat, it's not like the athletes of 2022 are slipperier than, than they were five years ago. So seatbelts are no longer relevant. I mean, when I was talking when, when I was talking to Anthony about it, I, I essentially just said to him, I was like, oh yeah, for sure. Seatbelts don't work. You slip off the back. That's why Marcelo Garcia didn't win shit. You know, mm. like dude's arguably the best in the world. At t- I mean, he's retired now, but he's still a goat, right? One mm. of the greatest of all time and known for taking the back and, Man, like if your seatbelt's good, can you slip off the top? Of course, anything can happen. You can also, you know, slip off an armbar. Like, yeah, it's it's a it's a combat sport, but yeah, that when that was said, and then having the conversations with Anthony, I just keep saying, yeah, if you've got a shit seatbelt, you'll slip off the top. Anthony, you know? Anthony's going to listen to this, and he was loving when Craig Jones said seatbelts shit, don't do it. He like the smile on his face. He's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I said, I'm so funny. he knew your reaction. That's yeah. why he's laughing so much. We both did. I just we knew dis- you would hate it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not disagreeing with taking the wrestling approach, mm. but you know, just writing one off. Mm. Right, you can write it off saying, "Oh, I don't do seatbelts because I slip off the top." Mm. Right, that's fine. It's like it's you don't have a knack for it, or you haven't developed it yet. No different to me saying I don't play this sort of guard 
because I suck at it, mm. right? That's not me saying don't do this guard. It sucks. Maybe Craig should do some privates with you. And you I think so. To, Come teach on, Teach him how to do a seatbelt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, first off, yeah. Craig Jones, we're going to start with the shrimp. Yeah. Make sure you're, you know, all the basics are good and then we'll progress to seatbelts. <laughs> One hand on top of the other hand. No, wrong way, Craig. Other way. <laughs> Your hands are the wrong way around. Speaking of wrong way, I've been, I've gotten a bad habit of reinforcing the wrong hand in my seatbelts. You did last night? Yeah, I always do it. I, I've, I've identified because you always... Whenever we're doing turtle specific and we're starting there, you're like, oh, wrong hand. I'm like, oh, shit. But I've noticed that I always do that way because I like to, I like my right hand reinforcing my left, but with the primary position. Okay. So for those that don't know, the logic behind, if you're attacking someone's turtle and you're in the seatbelt position and you're like, your knee's blocking there. So you're next to them. So you're not in a front headlock or anything like that. The, the goal of which hand goes on top, the way to remember it is you want to reinforce what will be your choking arm. Yeah. Right. But what I've what I've gotten into is a bad habit because I like attacking with me on their right side and my left arm under and my right arm being the choking arm. But because I'm right-handed, I like reinforcing my left because I feel like I'm I'm stronger that way. Yeah. So I have a stronger grip. So I've gotten in a bad habit of reinforcing the wrong the hand. Wrong and that way someone can break the grip on the choking arm or get a really good grip on it. And you know and it's you just never choking no one. Yeah, in theory, <laughs> in theory, um, but it's a it's a bad habit. So I've I, I've realized, and I only realized it when I was um, coaching Chad in turtle. I was like, oh, you, wrong hand, bro. Like you need to reinforce the choking. Oh, <laughs> you know, I just sort of like trailed off on my mind, like, oh my god, because <laughs> I knew it. And I just Chad's wasn't like, doing Kieran. it. Karen, <laughs> Karen, the Vietnam and, and flashbacks. Yeah. It's like ten o'clock at night. Karen, class finished hours ago. It's time to go home. <laughs> Seatbelts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah. So I've I've gotten into that bad habit, but uh, I'm going to fix that because it's something that you don't want to. Yeah. I mean, it, I remember. I think when I was like a early blue belt, it still wasn't automatic. Now it's just. Yeah. Like I, it's, I don't know. It just instantly happens. I don't have to think about it, but it's good. Like, um, I mean, I train so much and we roll so often that I'm able to identify bad habits. Cause like if you roll consistently with people, your level, or maybe just a little bit above, a little bit below, it's, it's rare that they're going to point out your bad habits, particularly when you can sort of make them work. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Like the turtle. I mean, a lot of the time I'm reinforcing, well, every time I'm reinforcing the wrong hand, but no one's punishing me. You get get away with it. it. It's a bad habit. And I've like, I've countless of those. And I mean, Half the time when you teach a technique, I, I bring up, oh, but can you do this? Like the other night when when you were like, oh, I, I asked, um, it was again with the turtle position. It's like, oh, can you, you're, the, basically the technique was a recovering guard from turtle. I was like, oh, can you hook their leg? And you're like, no, nah, that doesn't really work. doesn't really do, do anything for you. And you're probably not going to get it. I've been trying to do that consistently because in my mind it was like, oh, this is what I need to do. Hook the leg. Um, no one will be able to follow that you know, via audio, but, but anyway, point it's, being, it's, point not being, working. it's not working and it was <laughs> silly. And it's like, no, nah, that's a bad habit. So yeah. every time like you teach something, I, I think back, hmm, what's my bad habit in this position? Yeah. Hey, does this work? No, don't do that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Cause sometimes, sometimes you almost need like the consequences to come through. You hundred percent do for it to, yep. for it to cut deep enough that you then, you know, have a traumatic experience crossing your feet, crossing your feet when you're on someone's That's back. Right, yeah, if people usually, don't punish you for that, you'll keep doing it. Yeah. But you once need to get punished. But once you you've tapped once, you know, typically is a lower belt, right? I mean, I think mm. I remember Yeah, I've definitely when I was whatever, white, blue belt, I can't remember. I've definitely tapped to having my feet crossed when mm-hmm. I was on someone's back. 100%. And it's like, when you tap to it, that's when you're yeah, like, no. oh, man, I'm never doing that again. I'm doing this one thing now is whenever like 
particularly white belts are on my back, I cross their feet manually. (laughs) (laughs) I like force their feet to cross and then grab it. Oh God, they should rip it across your face. That's what they should be doing. I did it to Amber. And she thought in her mind that she crossed the feet, but I crossed them for her. I haven't told her that yet. Gaslighting people. Yeah, I was like, oh, you crossed your feet. And she's like, oh damn. Yeah, (laughs) that's so good. Yeah, I'll tell you you a story like when... uh, so my dad's a retired police officer and I don't really know anything about guns, but my dad was a police officer when they transitioned from what they, the gun they previously had, which was a six shot revolver so like to, a Glock to, to a Glock. Right. Yeah. And so a revolver just would have the, I think it's called the hammer. Right. Mm-hmm. And then a Glock has the, whatever it's called, the bit that slides like eight shot has mm-hmm. the, the top of the barrel bit that slides back, whatever Mm -hmm. that's called. And so when my dad was a police officer and, you know, they only had a revolver, you were taught to hold it a certain way, right? And then when they upgraded to Glocks, you had to hold the gun a different way because if you held the Glock the way that you were taught to hold a revolver, I think it's called the slide, Mm. right? The slide would- Kick back in your hand? Would kick back and hit into the, the part of your hand in between your the webbing. The, yeah, the webbing between your thumb and index finger. And yeah, so anyway, my dad's doing the training course, course to when they're upgrading to the Glocks and they're told to hold it the correct way, but obviously throughout the day, just years of habit and he holds it like he would hold a revolver and the slide hits back into his hand. He's like, you know, screams out in pain and the instructor's like, <laughs> you'll only do that once. And mm-hmm. my dad said he did it like two or three yeah, times yeah. before yeah. he was really like, I'm never holding the gun like that again. Yeah, You, know, you kind of need some consequences to come through. You and do. that's also why competing so valuable. When you lose a certain way in a competition, it cuts so much deeper yeah. that then you really work to fix that mistake. Yeah. Opposed, you know, if you get triangled in a comp, you then really, it hurts and you really work hard to- Never get triangled n- ever. Yeah, to never get triangled never or fix again. your triangle <laughs> escape. But if you get triangled in the gym, yeah. in training, you're just kind of like, ah, oh, fuck. Uh, triangle, oh yeah. yeah. Dude, that, that, that's a perfect, perfect example. Like. As soon as you said that, I had flashbacks to probably three different occasions where I've been submitted in such a humiliating way. Like not humiliating. It's like, oh, look at that guy. But like internally. <laughs> but like, oh, you Why got is that such on? a big crowd? Yeah. Everyone's <laughs> laughing at that guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that white belt just got triangled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's never going to happen. But like in internally humiliating, um, like I was either in a good position and got submitted um, or got submitted where I shouldn't have because it doesn't work, you know, the technique. And as soon as you said that, I had those flashbacks and I'm like, yeah, you're fucking right because I have been triangled for like a minute. And ever since that one one time, the infamous triangle that's on my YouTube channel, um, I literally have made it my my goal to never be triangled. So if you can tap me in a triangle, like your triangle is pretty good yeah. um, for, you know, I'm not, I'm not a fucking world champion, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I, I don't tap to it because it's, it's like a thing. And the same with that fucking cross collar choke in guard. I'm, Never again. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I've been trying to cross collar choke people when I'm uh, in their guard. Yeah. Like I tried it on Dan and he, he did the same as I did. He was like, but mine wasn't deep enough. Uh, for those that don't know, I got fucking submitted in a comp. Um, someone was in my close guard and they cross collar choked me and I got subbed. It just came on quick and I'm, I'm an idiot. But the reason it doesn't work is because you can arm by them very easily. Yeah. Or put and a hook in and so sweep many options. Them so and many yeah. options. Yeah. You can sweep them. You can create space. Like there's so many options. So I was rolling with Dan, uh, the other night and I didn't have it quite deep enough, but I was trying to sub him and he had the same look in his face that, 
that I sort of had like, oh fuck, what, what do I do again? Because <laughs> no one does it. No one, no one in our gym tries to submit that way. Only if you're like a white belt, yeah, you just it's sort of stupid. laugh at them. It's silly. But if you don't know what to do, and if no one ever tries it on you, if it happens in a comp and someone just so happened to have a really fucking deep grip and you're like, holy shit, and you panic, you're gonna get subbed like I did. Can happen. So it's my, yeah. my service of the day. My, yeah. my good deed for the day was to try to say <laughs> Yeah, your PSA for the day. <laughs> yeah, my father's service amounts, but he's fucking throw up yeah. the armbar, guys. Come on. <laughs> shit, don't get subbed. Yeah. But no, anyway, yeah, going back, I I rate seatbelts from Turtle. I I rarely slip off the top, eh? Mm. I'm not, and I don't have that good of a seatbelt, but man, I rarely slip off the top. Mm. I think the last time I slipped off the top was when I jumped on it, but the person saw me coming and I went, whoop, ducked their head out of the way. I was like, ah. (laughs) Anyway, like it's, uh, yeah, I mean, don't write it off. Just choose which. Add it it as a tool, like what Craig was saying to do instead, maybe just use that, like borrowing what Lockie said, there's, not, there's a hundred techniques, 10 of them are good. Pick out of the three. That's right. Pick yeah, three yeah. that you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe you don't s- have to be proficient at all 10. Yeah, and right? I wouldn't I wouldn't exclude seatbelt from the 10 that are good. Yeah. I'd say it's good, it's proven. It's still used at the top, top, top to levels. Yeah. Uh, but maybe add some of these other tools that Craig likes instead. And so you have multiple different options. Yeah. Uh, the, other, the other thing that was more specific to me, and this was cool, I asked both Craig and Lockie, this question, which was, which is a bit more specific to me. Yeah. Which was, so how do you go about, I guess it's a bit more specific to 50, 50 than the saddle. Uh, uh, So when we, in the, you get, why am I always getting heel hooked episode? Mm. We we briefly mentioned that, you know, I'm quite tall. I'm six, four. I've got like, wear like a size 13 shoe. I've got massive heels. Even when I point my toes, you can still dig my heel. Your heel is so big. absolutely massive. And so my question to both of them was, okay, when you're in 50-50, how do you go about attacking the legs? Because most people are shorter than me. Mm. You know, it's not often I have a partner who, even if they're my weight, they're usually shorter and stockier, you know, because I'm quite tall and, and lanky. So- I don't often have someone with the same size as me. So when I'm in 50-50, if I try to go to 80-20, right, my heel's still exposed. It's not on the belly. And if I put my heel on the belly so it's not exposed, I then lose their knee line because my, you know, your, my your thigh and my shin yep. are too long. Create too much space. You know, and so I said, how do you, like, what's your advice? Craig isn't as tall as me, but... He's, yeah, he's definitely not as tall as me, but he's taller than Lockie. And anyway, they both kind of had the same answer, which was essentially, uh, it's just not a great position for you if you're a bigger dude. You know, if you're a, a bigger guy, as in a longer guy, I should say, you probably don't want to be in 50 50 against another proficient leg lock attacker. And both of them actually had the same advice, which was to, to stand up and do one of the, the various ways to escape 50-50 or pass 50-50, mm-hmm. you know. So that was reassuring in the sense that, because I was becoming a bit frustrated that I hadn't been able to find a solution. Yeah, you were thinking, what am I doing wrong? Yeah, here? I was like, yeah. why can't I make, because I can get I get to 50-50 quite well. Mm. And I don't mind the position, especially in the gi when you're not allowed to heel hook. Mm. You know, I quite like Aoki locks and things mm-hmm. like that. So I quite like the position, but I was getting quite frustrated with my own training 
because I thought, why, why can't I make this work? Like I'm getting heel hooked in 50-50 against people far smaller, weaker, lower belts than me. Like, what, like what's going on when I'm trying to solve this puzzle and I can't find a way to attack their heel and not have mine exposed. And so it was reassuring, but also frustrating for like, I would have liked an answer. I kind of almost wish I was doing something wrong because then I could have been, been like, Oh sweet, I'll fix that. And I can continue to go to 50, 50 because I don't mind the position and I can get there quite well. So I was a bit upset that that wasn't the case, but also reassured that I wasn't going crazy and that I've got two of the best leg lockers mm. in the world. And Lockie being actually more known for 50-50 opposed mm. to the saddle and that, like he prefers 50-50 over the saddle. Uh, it was also reassuring to know that I wasn't losing my mind to have two top leg lockers say, mm, it's not a great position for you if you're a long-legged guy against someone else who's attacking leg locks yeah. like you you know if they don't know anything about leg locks of course you're going to be sweet it's great yeah so how'd, yeah how'd I, you go with that position i know you were exploring and i'm i'm thinking you, you had some time with Lockie on this i could be the mis- one where you turn on top yeah yeah so how do you that, go with that no that i really like that i had already discovered as because well because i've been doing my, that as well on my own so there is one other option which is that you can you can turn on top. So what you're, what you're kind of doing is putting yourself into backside 50-50 almost. Mm-hmm. So you're turning towards them and turning on top. However, you need to do one of two things. As you turn on top into backside 50-50, you either have to clear your knee line or you have to get your foot from one side of their torso to the other Otherwise, you're literally just putting yourself into backside 50-50. They have your knee line and you're just going to get Which foot are you talking about? The, my leg that's the outside? in 50-50. Oh, right. So take it, clear it from, like, say, for example, so if, right, our, if our right legs yeah, are connected, yeah, yeah. I'm going to turn to my right to come on top. Yeah. So I'm going to turn towards your legs yep. and sit my hip up on top of yours. Mm-hmm. If I don't do anything with my legs and keep them where they are and I do that to attack your legs... I've just put myself into backside 50-50. Essentially, I've put myself into the position that Lockie submitted all his guys at ADCC. Backside 50-50 being that K-guard entry, right? So if I spin on top like that- And you keep your legs on the outside. And I keep my heel on the outside and my knee and you having my knee line, you're just going to heel hook me from an atrocious position. Your heel will be like right Right there there. like like a silver platter. Yeah, so as you do it, you either have to clear your knee line- To the other hip? To their no, left hip? like just to the outside of their thighs. Or yeah. my right leg, yeah, needs to go from being on the outside of your torso to the inside of your torso. Yep. So then it's on the wrong side for you to heel hook me. That's okay. That's what I need. And to then I can attack your heel and then sit back the way I came. Because I've been fucking so, around with that as well. It's pretty it's yeah. pretty fun. So, so yeah, it was reassuring that the two conclusions I had come to, which were I've got this one option that's working well for me mm. and – nothing else is what am i missing like it was reassuring for both of them to be like you've kind of only got this one option otherwise get out of dodge so that was a nice takeaway as well to uh you know and then craig showed with the q a some of the ways that he likes to to get out of 50 50 Mm -hmm. which is essentially standing up stacking Stacking. the person and then doing like a ballerina toe to like lift your legs straight out and up out of 50 50 um they were for me probably the main the 
the main takeaways. There were other Q and A's, like you went over some high risk guillotines, and you know, uh, what was some of the other stuff you did in the Q and A? Oh man, he did so many. I've he did quite a lot. There I'm were a hard time remembering it all. Yeah, there were some questions. I remember. I didn't necessarily think they were dumb, but they were definitely like there were some white belt questions, which is fine. Yeah, not super relevant to me, mm. and whatever. Um, and no, one other thing I, I took away, which I kind of, again, had already come to the conclusion on my own, but it is really cool when you have that, you know, it's nice to have it come from someone else of that caliber, which was someone asked a question along the lines of continuing, like how do you keep attacking the legs or heel hooks when the fight progresses and people get increasingly sweaty. Yeah. And yeah, I remember this. And he just kind of said that you end up getting to a point where he, he didn't say, I mean, I think someone asked, they kind of wanted like a minute mark almost like, oh, yeah. what minute do you decide that it's too hard to catch the heel anymore? I remember who asked that as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he kind of said something along the lines of, you know, intuitively you get that feeling of when it's quite difficult and then all of a sudden, you know, uh, what are they, like just straight footlock control mm. is becomes superior. Not, I mean, I don't think he said those words, but it just becomes easier to hold on to someone's ankle mm. as a whole than just the heel. And that's why you kind of can see these Aoki locks and straight footlocks happening as a, as a fight progresses. I really rate straight footlocks. Uh, some people don't, but man, guys like Kyotera, Mikey Musumeshi, uh, even Jeremy Skinner, he, he Jeremy a lot Skinner, of his game right. like uses straight footlocks to to open up other positions like heel hooks. Yeah, I I really like straight footlocks because you can really clamp down, mm. and it's easier to just be like clamp down on an ankle than dig a heel and break uh, it. Yeah, yeah, I re I really like them. Uh, so that they were sort of everything, the chunks of information I took away. Like there were the nice false reap the technique itself and, and the, the inverts, one of them I found too difficult for yeah. me personally, um, but probably because my nose is so big, rolling over my forehead uh, just ain't happening, bro. It just yeah. hurts my face. Yeah, I kept going the wrong way and like tweaking my neck and yeah. shit. And, but yeah. the other one was fine. So the false reap stuff was cool and uh, the just having that feedback of – of being in 50-50 as a taller person mm. and, you know, and straight foot locks and stuff. They were my main takeaways from, from the seminar. And, you know, I quite, I quite enjoyed it. It was mm. great. Went for a, two hours or something. And, and yeah, yeah. I, I would, if you get the chance to go to one, I would recommend it. Definitely. My, I think my key takeaway was that when you drill something for like 40 minutes straight, you're going to fucking remember it. <laughs> like we drilled we drilled for a long time you and i were one of the few we didn't pairs stop. who drilled the whole time we drilled for we I drilled that false reap for like 40 fucking minutes like yeah. two each one go 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 over and over and over and over again so then when we got in the gym it's the first thing i hit yeah I, yeah I, and i'm still hitting them like i'm actually getting to the position and completing the um the the move I'm hitting the move because I drilled it for 40 minutes yeah. like and it's not super complicated the the invert version uh so yeah there's drills are killers man yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah it was a great seminar but uh guys I hope that was enjoyable for you and that you could take something away from it uh 
Remember, if you're still sitting here thinking, you never explained what jujitsu is. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's next episode. Yeah, that's next episode. <laughs> Tune into that. Uh, been a while since we plugged our socials. So, guys, you know where to find us on Instagram at beyondjujitsu underscore podcast. If you want to go the extra mile, we're on Patreon as well. Uh, you can find the episodes on YouTube as well if you want to see our faces. Mm. Otherwise, we will catch you on the flip side.